Hey guys, welcome to our day seven of our Christmas Advent reading. Uh, again, if you're just now joining in with us, we are reading a course from the Word of God first and foremost, and then we are walking through this book called The Things Concerning Himself, uh, written by Zach Mabry. Uh, there at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. And so what we decided is, hey, let's read through it. Uh, today, being day seven, we're going to find ourselves in Numbers 24. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to Numbers chapter 24, and we're going to be reading verses 15 through 19. And uh, remember, uh, as you're turning there, uh, we're actually going to be spending the first 20 days, so all the way to December the 20th, just walking through the Old Testament scriptures and looking at those prophecies uh, where um, where they were foretelling that uh, of that coming Messiah. That they, they were telling, uh, giving that picture uh, to us. And so today uh, we're actually going to be looking at um, at two accidental blessings. But in those blessings, uh, we're going to see uh, that prophecy. Again, um, that foretelling of that coming Messiah. So Numbers chapter 24, verses 15 through 19. I would encourage you to go back and read uh, this in its full context. I do believe that context matters. And so, uh, so I, I'd tell you to go back and read it uh, later on when you have time. Verse 15, and he took up, um, verse 15, and he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Abaiar, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said. He hath said, which heard the words of God, and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a, tr a trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but, but not now. I shall behold him, but not high. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession, Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. So that's our reading out of Numbers chapter 24, verses 15 through 19. And what, what we're going to see today, as I said already, the title is called Two Accidental Blessings. And so we start here, double prophecies. This passage comes to us, the one from Numbers, uh, out of the book of Numbers, and is really a fascinating because it is a prophecy with two meanings. God does this all the time in the Old Testament. He will give a prophecy that will apply first to the people of Israel, but then has a fuller meaning that will be accomplished later on in the future. So first, let's look at the immediate context of this passage. You, to make a long story short, there is a king of Moab named Balak, or yeah, Balak, and he is afraid of the Israelites because God had given them victory over their enemies. So to protect himself, he hires a prophet to put a curse on them, on the Israelites. But here's the catch. Even though Balaam is not a godly guy, he will not prophesy something unless God allows it. This is totally frustrates Balak because every time Balaam gets up to prophesy against the people of Israel, he winds up prophesying for the people of Israel. 
That's what happens here. Balak is trying to get Balaam to say to Mo, that Moab is going to defeat them, but instead he says that God is going to send someone from the line of Jacob to crush, notice that, the forehead of the Moab. And that's his own country. That's Balak's own country. This is an amazing story because, again, it draws our attention to God's complete sovereignty over all peoples and nations. He predicts the Israelites' victory over Moab, which happens later on in the Old Testament, uh, in the Judges, uh, in, in the book, in the book of Judges. But this story is also pointing to the rule and reign of Jesus as the star who came from Jacob's line. Amazing prophecy. When God prophesies something, it is going to come to pass no matter how long it takes for it to happen. For a better, uh, Jacob and the trickster. For a better overall picture of this, we need to go back to look at Jacob. This is also confusing because when we think of the Old Testament patriarchs, we want to look at them as heroes that we should imitate, right? I mean, when we look at Abraham, we see someone who has such a solid faith in God that the New Testament will use him as an example for us to follow. Although, even with Abraham, we see moments where he doesn't seem to be acting consistently in his faith. But when we get to Jacob, this inconsistency is even more glaring. Why is this so important? It's important because God is the one who is working out this amazing mission to save us. And he will use anybody he wants to, to in order to accomplish it, even if they are not living lives of faith. Abraham had Isaac, then Isaac had the twins, Esau and Jacob, and now Esau was born first, and in that culture, that meant that he should have been the one to inherit the most from his father. But God had already made it clear that the older one would serve the other. Don't let that get unnoticed. Before they were born, God had already chosen Jacob over Esau, which was before they had done anything to gain his favor, before anything. With that in mind, when we see them grow up, grown up, we are not surprised when Esau gives away his birthright to Jacob, although it seems pretty shabby that Jacob would hold out food to his brother until he promised to give it to him. And that, that's crazy, over a bowl of porridge. Then, as the story goes on, we're not surprised that Isaac blesses Jacob over Esau, but it's really surprising the way that Jacob gets it. Basically, their dad is really old, and he wants to bless his sons. So he tells Esau to go hunt down some wild game and cook it for them so that he can bless him before, the, before he dies. Then, while Esau is out, Jacob and his mom trick Isaac into thinking that he is blessing Esau when it's really Jacob in disguise. How crazy is that? Y'all, right now, uh, we'll pause. We're going through Answers in Genesis Sunday School Curriculum, and we have just came through uh, a couple of these stories that we're talking about now. Amazing. You should go and you should read those. This is not the example of faith that we should follow. You cannot trick God. But does this throw God off? No way. It, not even for a second. God is constantly working out his plan, folks. And we cannot mess it up. Believe me, if it were up to you or me to make sure that God's will comes about, then it would utterly fail. And that's true. 
God is in the business of using everything that happens to bring about his purpose. As we have said before, and will doubtless say again as we continue this 25-day journey, God writes straight with, a, with crooked lines, and Jacob is just one example of that. Our reflection for today. While we are looking forward to the birth of Jesus, let's pause and pay attention to how everything had to go just right for this to happen. The coming of Jesus was prophesied countless times in Israel's history, often at the most unusual of occasions. The same God that promised a blessing to the world while he was cursing the serpent is the one who promised a conquering star of Jacob through the mouth of a corrupt prophet. The birth of Jesus 2,000 plus years ago was a beautiful piece in this amazing puzzle that God was putting together in front of us since the beginning of time. And that's day seven. Folks, listen, man, God's word, it all counts. It all matters. And uh, so tomorrow we'll continue through our journey, day eight, there within uh, within God's word. If you want to read ahead, we'll be in Genesis 49 Genesis chapter 49, and we'll be looking at how uh, three strikes and you're in. And it's an amazing, I love this next one, uh, day eight. Hope you all have a blessed day. Uh, Man, get in God's word. Love you guys.